Welcome to NFT Sundays, a weekly conversation around art and technology, brought to you by Dementi and the Museum of Crypto Art. Hello, and welcome back to NFT Sundays with our lovely guest, Judy Mam, uh, founder of Dada.Art. Hi. Hi, Colborn. It's so good to see you. It's so wonderful to see you as always. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. It's great. I, I love I love this casualness. I love casual Sundays. It's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> casual Sundays are the best. The first thing I ask people always is just tell me whatever you would like to share about yourself um, and perhaps <laughs> what brought you to the NFT space. Well, I am currently in Mexico City, so I think that's a good way to start because that's where I'm from. I am a writer, uh, and as you said, I'm the co-founder of Dada.art, uh, which is kind of like a really interesting... How I ended up there is, is, is super cool. I mean, it's cool because I never expected to end having like an internet platform. I'm a person of words, and Dada is, as you know, a place where people make art together. So um, um, I guess that's uh, it's been kind of a long, long journey to to get to Dada, and uh, but it's it's the greatest the greatest thing I've ever been involved with. So I'm very proud of it. So for everybody that doesn't know, will you just explain uh, the basics of Dada? Yeah, Dada is a, a visual conversation platform. We call it. Uh, we started it in like 2014 um, and basically it's a place where we provide like a very basic drawing tool so you make a drawing with our drawing tool and then you post it and somebody from anywhere in the world can reply to you with another drawing and what that does is it creates these amazing spontaneous visual conversations that are, are it's just really like a, a dialogue it's not in real time but but you always get like this surprise, like maybe you get a notification that says somebody replied to your drawing and you open this email and you see that somebody is actually speaking to you through art. And mm. um, it's a very, very special place. Tell me, where did this idea come from? Well, it, you know, Beatrice, whom you know, uh, my uh, partner and the founder of Dada, um, who is an artist and I actually met her because I used to work in advertising. I was a creative director in advertising and she had an animation studio, this wonderful production studio called Dancing Diablo. And I was her client and uh, they did wonderful stuff. And years later, uh, I think I had already left the agency world and she came to me and said, I have this idea for, for a startup. At the time, we were a startup. And uh, and at the beginning, we really wanted to solve this problem of how to how to source talent in a way that could be that we we wanted to see who who was the artist behind the art, you know, because, you you know, when you're in this business, you you see a lot of portfolios and stuff like that, but you don't really know who the person is. And so that was a very, 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 very start of it. But very early on, Bea, who is an artist, said, you know what, this is not going to work because there's already a bunch of portfolio sites and 
what, what we need to do is to give artists what they need and what they know how to do best, which is the tools to express themselves through drawing. Mm -hmm. And she always said something that, that fascinated me, which was that as, a, an, as an artist, she felt really like oppressed by the tyranny of the world because everything we do is very verbal. You know, you know, our communications tend to be mostly verbal. And she's like, I am so much more eloquent when I, when I draw. And so I was kind of, you know, fascinated by this idea. We felt what better way to create community than by actually having people draw. And when people draw, it's a very different dynamic than when you give a like or you, you put a little comment or even you share an, an emoji because it takes time and it takes concentration and it's kind of very freeing. Um, so the, the, texture of the relationships is very, very different. At, at the time, it seemed to be kind of like a social network, but but really it's not a social network. It, it really is a, a community. And I mean, I think it really lives up to his name, you know, of like this, this uh, like free form thing that you, you do not know, always full of surprises. Uh, and I'm sure that's what makes people want to come back and to share because it feels just like real, authentic, personal, and each time very different. Yeah. I mean, I remember like we needed to come up with a name for this. And uh, me being the writer, of course, I was tasked with like finding a name for this platform. Yeah. And I swear, I think I went through 250 names, like with all kinds of references, like Greek mythology and other artists and sure. genres. Yeah. And I mean, I was driving myself insane. And one day Bea comes to me and says, what about Dada? And I'm like, I'm going to kill you. No, right. but, but I thought Dada <laughs> is so great. Yeah. It's, it's such a perfect. And, and, and once we started really looking into it, I mean, first of all, it's super easy to remember, but also we really felt that it was kind of a, a continuation of, of, of the values of the Dadaist movement of right. absolute freedom, experimentation, yeah. like changing the boundaries of what's considered to be art because you know, breaking all that, breaking all that, those strictures, and giving people a, a place to really express themselves. As you say, Dada is not a marketplace; it's not a gallery. It's it's uh, it's really kind of like a giant canvas where people make art together, and that freedom um, is is uh, really like creates this very specific kind of art the freedom and the tool that we have. Mm -hmm. I will just say like it, from talking to so many people, it comes up time and time again. If you give a creative person, if you give an artist an open source toolkit and don't value it in a marketplace, they will create priceless things again and again. You know, there is this need to just express ourselves uh, and we're each trying to do so through like limited faculties, such as words. Um, but that's what is is just like so interesting again and again is just giving people uh, tools to use for free to put them uh, in different situations to be able to communicate and express. 
Yeah, and data is really interesting. In in first, we always knew it has to be free. Second, uh, anyone can draw, anyone can come. We we do not curate. We do not have any sort of like, you know, anyone can come in, and it doesn't matter. Like we have commercial artists, we have professional artists, we have extraordinarily talented people who are artists but who have never had a professional training or or you know academic training and everything in between, and that also is gorgeous because there's everything you know and right. and it is true also that that you we obviously we we created data uh, originally it we wanted it to be a profitable thing you know it was it's not an ngo it's it's not you know we we always felt art is art is valuable and this art that is created without the purpose of being valuable monetarily it's created with absolute freedom it's also valuable but so how do we how do we monetize it and it took us you know we tried all kinds of different things until like around 2017 we we discovered blockchain but what what is interesting and we can talk about this later what is interesting is that we knew whatever the monetization structure was, it could not be integrated into the platform itself. Mm -hmm. Because the minute that we put like a little shop now or a little, you know, here's your cart, it would completely destroy everything. It would destroy the intent, like the way the art is made. It would probably even destroy the fiber of the community when people start, because the, mo the moment you put that, then you have to see well who sold more, on who what sells best, and that would would completely destroy the fabric, I think, of the community and the you know the the, the essence of the of the platform. So we always knew that even even before we discovered that through what are now called NFTs, but at the time was called rare art or blockchain art or whatever, that we we um, we couldn't, we, we had to preserve that freedom and and and, uh, and this purity of of uh, of make of, of giving people a place to make art. And it's a place where people not only make art with other people or by themselves, but also it's a place where they feel safe. It's a place where where you can feel very safe we there's really no trolling or bullying uh there's there's we don't censor stuff it's just i always say that that when people come to dada and they see what's going on there there's always going to be someone who does like a little doodle or you know or maybe someone who's the testing boundaries but we created a system in which in which in order for for you your art to be seen or for you to to actually respond to people you had to make a little bit of an effort. So, so Dada is also kind of like a, a, a gamified platform and, and that has helped us really keep people, when they come in, they see the, the stuff other, other people see, you know, make. And I think it's like they instinctively understand that they're in a place of, of safety and respect and, 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 and like great vibes. And so it takes a lot to, to try to, to kind of like, deface that or thoughts with that so it doesn't happen mm -hmm. well i have I'm, i will echo great vibes certainly the best people that i've ever met come from dada the most incredible artists as well it's just super super special and i don't know how much we want to interrogate this but i'm hyper interested of course in 
how capital markets begin to take away that magic, take away that luster, how things like likes and follower counts and ranking systems begin to put people against each other. You know, I read something very recently like about how if we, you know, continue to just import these systems into the metaverse worlds, then undoubtedly we will end up with just the, the same people, the same thing where people are judged on reputation or followers. And it it's so cemented. And I think we're all so tired of that, like rigidity of these networks um, that we were looking for something more fluid. Uh so I don't know if you have anything. Yeah. Yeah, please. What, what I love about you, Colborn, is that I think we're so aligned that it's almost uncanny, right? But, yeah. but uh, I mean, we, we, we instinctively felt it. Uh, I, was, I was watching the Andy Warhol Diaries yesterday, and it echoed what we all, there's a part where one of the artists is saying, you know, they, they were all kind of like, you know, Warhol was collaborating with Basquiat and there was a factory and th there was a lot of incredible, you know, uh, stuff going on with artists and it was a lot of fun and it was the 80s and everyone was on coke and it was fun, fun, fun. But then the then he says the real money started coming in and like serious money started coming in. And the font was gone. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just as yeah. simple as that. And so uh, I think that in our case, uh, we we realized that, for instance, one thing that happened, you know, when you're in startup school and they're, they're teaching you how to grow your platform and you have to like get a lot of people and, and all the incentives that 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 are that are designed and, and they're tried and true. You don't have to invent anything new when you, you know, like they tell you exactly what to do to grow a community. Uh, and to have thousands of users, but all the incentives are incentives of hierarchical competition, right? So leaderboards, what you mentioned, you know, like uh, numbers of likes, this kind of status growing kind of thing. And we, we noticed that we, we had a leaderboard, a leaderboard in Dada at the very beginning because, we, you know, we were st still building the platform. And some of our artists, one of our artists, I believe, and the artists were communicating in Facebook. They were drawing on data, but they were communicating on Facebook. And they let us know that the leaderboard was creating friction. Like the friction was never inside of data because, you know, you have a little chat, but when people are drawing, it's a different, a different place. And the minute they told us the leaderboard is kind of starting to create a little bit of not, not nothing like super serious, but competition and clashes, we said, fuck, <laughs> neither boy, yeah. we took it out. And that was the end of the story, you know, like, I mean, th this, everything that we did, that we learned through the, the we don't call them users, we we learned through the artists, we designed with the in, with, with very intentional, non-competitive, collaborative frameworks. So yes, if you, if you, if you make, if you emphasize how many people like you or who likes you or all these kinds of things, that's what you get. The same thing happens like, and, and I have to say with, with our own, with our own NFT market at the very beginning, when, when we uh, discovered blockchain, both Bea and I could see the possibilities of this beyond markets. You know, we, we could see, I mean, what was exciting to me was the, the market was the least of it. What was exciting to me was, you know, like the royalties, uh, which we can talk about, we encoded into we smart should. contracts for the yeah. first time in 2017. The fact that artists could now have more of a sustainable opportunity because 
in secondary markets they could get royalties. Not only that, but the excitement of the peer-to-peer -peer relationship between artists and collectors, the fact that you didn't have to be a super wealthy or rich or special or important person to collect art and by the same token you didn't have to be a more a super established artist that has a have gone through all this like gatekeeping in order to be an artist all of that and we could just see that it could create a completely alternative system which we, we always had in mind for artists not to have to be not only on the grind and the hustle and all of that but also not competing against each other, not, not like having these like very few people at the top and a long tail of, of like very talented, very hardworking artists that no one ever cares about. So, so we, we really felt that it could be, be a more fair, that there could be a more fair system. And we were, I was disappointed. Uh, uh, to see that as the space started growing, it just completely replicated what it was running away from. You know, it completely replicated the hierarchical nature, the market, uh, you know, the free market structure, the the speculation, the 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 you know the, the, the some other kind of the same kind of gatekeeping. And I have nothing against curation, and I have nothing against you know a, a, a certain degree of gatekeeping. But I was like, wow, we have this opportunity to, to do something completely different. And, and I mean, as you can see today, it's like the market, the art market on steroids, right? I think a lot of us are certainly in mourning, you know? I think a lot of us are in mourning that like the, the vision, the values, everything that, you know, the, we, uh, we fell short. We certainly fell short, but there was, of course, something that I want you to rewind and own and just let people know uh, about, you know, what you did with artist secondary royalties. Yeah, well, uh, we uh, Bea went to the Ethereal Summit in 2017. She came back and said, this is what we're doing. And we're like, block, what? You know? <laughs> but yeah. we started at, at the time, it was a small, small community, not even a community, a small number of people that we were like learning about, like the rare pepes. And, and then we like learned about the CryptoPunks. And basically, uh, when we saw the CryptoPunks, those were, I think, our major influences. Uh, when when we saw the CryptoPunks, we thought, wow, this is what we should do. However, we should do like, like this nice, like, collection of different artworks of art. Each work of art is by a different artist. This is not generative. It's not made by an algorithm. It's made by artists on our platform. But the, the structure would be also like, uh, you know, different levels of scarcity, etc. So we reached out to, to John and Matt, uh, who were incredibly, from Larva Labs, incredibly generous and incredibly wonderful. And basically they, told us, we said, can we use your smart contract? Can we, and they said, yes. And to that smart contract, we, we added, we, we modified it and we added second, yeah, we added royalties for artists. Um, and so we had distributions at the time that the first sale was 70% went to the artist and 30% went to Dada. And on the secondary market, uh, it was like, 
the collector would get 60% and then 30% would go to the artist and 10% to that, which, wow. I mean, I think collectors would riot, right? I mean, but at the time there were no collectors. So there were, there, there was no entitlement. And so um, that's, that's, you know, we have always been focused on, on the artists and, and our first Log, uh, our first tagline was power to the artist like at the very 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 beginning so so um so yeah that's what we did uh and we don't know that anyone else did this before us and we, that's what we did the, our first collection was the creeps and weirdos and it, that's how it came out with those distributions like automatic you know the artists get automatically their stuff and if on secondary markets they would get the royalties and um and yeah i think that it, it's just amazing to me that having having done that later on artists had to fight for royalties as you know like sparrow and matt Cain, and those yep. people had to go to the platforms and say hey uh that should have been like a feature of this thing, right? Mm -hmm. Well, thank God they won because that was probably like the saving grace of the whole thing, right? I think that is what <laughs> pulled that's what pulled a lot of people in. I think people have seen um, tremendous value accrued to them in these secondary sales, which is just it's wonderful. It's great. It's empowering. I don't think there probably in human history has been a larger like quicker wealth transfer um, of capital to artists. I guess that is something certainly to be a bit proud of. Yes, very much so. Even yes. though if you speak to, if you talk to, to Bea, she says not enough wealth transfer to not her. <laughs> <you know? laughs> undoubtedly, undoubtedly. You know, it's like 10%, well, you know, what the hell is that? You know? But also, you know, we we did the, the creeps and weirdos. We, we brought them out on October of 2017. Um, and there were few collectors at the time and mostly there were rare Pepe collectors. It was just starting to happen. So imagine that just to give people a, a bit of a, 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 like a frame of reference, uh, we, we had 108, it's like 16,600, uh, an edition of that. Eight, uh, 108 uh, different artworks with five levels of scarcity and the commons at the time, which I think were like 250 of each or something like that, were $5, $5 each. And, uh, you know, at the time, like the most expensive ones, the, the extremely rare, which I think there were 15 of each or something like that were maybe a hundred and fifty dollars and people uh, it was unheard of you know? uh, so so i almost i'm always very like i'm always admiring of the collectors that were there uh very very early on because i'm thinking these people wh whether they were just playing around or they were speculating or they they could see something that was interesting i think it's i i, I admire people that say well I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna investigate this, right? Um, how did, how did you announce it? I mean, I remember 2017 well. You know, I was eating crypto. I was certainly kicking around on on Reddit boards. Um, I would have been in New York, so yeah. It's it, what, what I mean, just like what an interesting, interesting time. 
I guess it even then, was. when the community I mean, is small, you still miss, you know, you still miss a bunch of things. Oh, yeah. I mean, we announced it, I think, like, you know, we did a, it was a ha Halloween release that, and we did that on purpose because we were part of an accelerator and we needed to kind of like, this was kind of like our graduating project. It was a six month accelerator and we, we, we actually went full blockchain uh, during it and they were rather appalled at the beginning. They were really scared because everybody was telling us about, oh, advertising business model and, you know, and we're like, We'll die before we do that, you know. Uh, uh, I mean, we both came from that world that is like over our dead body, you know. Right. And uh, and there were like all these kind of like brands and stuff, and we're like, no, 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 no. So you know, we were a tiny little startup. Uh, we did a hall Halloween party. We tried to announce it. Like it it was it was really not very that that well known. I mean, it started kind of getting a little bit of of traction. Uh, but um, also we saw that's when like then the first rare art fest happened. So we are now, you know, we, we, we came out in October and then uh, uh, the rare art fest was in January of 18. And that I think was really where the community kind of like uh, got together. In, in the meantime, we kept meeting people and, and you know, uh, and, and all of these people who are still around and who have come to, to do really big stuff like uh you know like the guys from super rare which wasn't called super rare at the time pretty much i feel like we're like the grandmas of everyone because everybody pretty much <laughs> except for the crypto punks and the rare peppers every other platform came after us after. So, so yeah so so it was really a, a, a fantastic time because everybody was trying to solve the same problem it was mm. really super new uh, uh, it was hard to explain, you know, still hard to explain, but at least now people can see the actual, people can see the actual result. But when you're just testing these assumptions, you're testing this hypothesis, you know, no one really knew exactly if they could be actually sold, if there was going to be some interest, if there, there, you know, we, we all knew the potential we all knew that it would come, but obviously not at the levels that we see today. But um, I, I always used to say that at the, that time reminded me, and it still does, it was like a cross between the Renaissance and the Wild West. And the Renaissance was all the people who were building or creating art or building platforms for art, like, like who were really, who could see the potential of art as not only as a market, but as like innovation. And the Wild West were all these crypto bros that were like, the, you remember the ICOs and, you know, like the, when Lambo, you know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and because it was, it was so new that sometimes we would end up at these kind of weird cocktail parties or weird, weird meetups of, of like, of crazy crypto finance bros that ha had not heard of the crypto punks, had not heard of the crypto kitties. They had no idea. And I was like, it, it really felt like the Wild West. And then you would go to these meetups where you would meet John Crane from Super Rare and not Super Rare at the time. Or like, I remember like there was this mysterious guy who sat on our meetups and I was like, he never talks and he's very weird. And it turned out to be, and, and I, he, he felt like a spy, but no one was spying on anyone because everybody was collaborating, but he turned out to be Andy Alekin from snark.art. Oh, and wow, they were, yeah, they were sure. building their 
thing, you know? And, yeah. and that's how we met all these fabulous people. Um, it was lovely. It, I mean, to me and to this day, it still seems that like the center of, of Web3 and the builders and, and crypto and, and all of this, it happens in New York. Uh, you know, I, I still feel that, especially just coming back from L.A. where everybody seems like astronomically lost. Um, but there is a special energy <laughs> to to that city and a dynamism to it uh, that is so... I guess it attracts a lot of these types of people. Also, yeah, I don't know. You're right. I mean, not that everybody was based in New York, but like, for instance, for the first Riot Fest, Joe Looney came from Virginia and Jason Bailey came from Massachusetts or whatever. But I think there may be something about New York, the, the energy certainly, but also it's easy, you know, like, right. sure. you know, you take the subway, you're there. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like yeah. there's something about... Uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it 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 just so happened that 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 the some of the people who were like Larva Labs was here. We were here. Well, here I said I mean New York, and um, and I think that it's really interesting also how, for instance, somebody writes a tweet like in the case of Joe Looney, who basically like I asked him how did did you just Google us or what? You know, he just like maybe said like who else is doing blockchain art right now and he put everyone on a tweet that he that he was aware of and he said that why don't we make why don't we do a conference and everybody said let's do it and i think this really i swear i think it happened at the beginning of december and by january 18th or not january 13th there was a festival there was that kind of excitement mm. it was Super exciting. Yeah. There's so much I want to get into. Maybe we just like close the end of the Creeps and Weirdos story and then we'll talk about your new project. It's a really, um, I mean, it's a really interesting story. It, we have always experimented after the Creeps with the other collections, but the Creeps have a very particular story. They are ERC-20s, but when the 721s came in, uh, we did like a, like, we kind of updated them, but as you know, you cannot really like alter the contracts. So there's there's like this very historical progression to the creeps. And we there like we had to do a marketplace last year because only in blockchain can people come into a store that is closed and buy the stuff when the store is closed, which is what happened. <laughs> right. You know, right, like the marketplace course. was hidden. We had we had taken it out. Because we saw some of that speculation and we wanted to continue experimenting and, and we didn't, you know, we felt we wanted to do other things. And then last year, which was the big boom of NFTs, we realized that people were transacting directly from our contracts. So uh, we, we decided to reopen the Crips and Weirdos marketplace, which we were going to do anyway. And they're out there and, and they're wonderful. Yeah, amazing. I mean, it's uh, it's just it's just nobody was prepared, right? Nobody was prepared for people to just investigate so much to 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 dig into it, to find and rediscover, and then all of your like rescue efforts and and conservatorship and bringing the project back and creating, you know, relaunching the marketplace. Um, 
it's it's like a story that needs to be I don't know. I'll make a documentary about it if I have to one of these oh, days. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, it, it's a great story. It's a it's a complicated story, but also I think that we made the right the, the decisions that uh the easy decision like people were saying, well well why don't you just burn like one of the collections and we're like we're not going to burn anything because this is our history and we yeah. are honoring our history so we made decisions always to preserve there were always for preservation and for of course creating value both for our artists and for our collectors and not so much for like yeah let's like sell like pancakes and then figure what and no no you know we we, we there was a lot of thought into into the decisions that we made uh, for the marketplace that, that we have today. Before we talk about your new projects, how about just like a couple minutes on the invisible economy? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's kind of like a good segue because I think that's the progression of data. The, everything comes from the drawing platform. Then the creeps and weirdos came in and because of what we saw becoming the the speculative nature and the very the, this everybody bet like on the market like like crazy i i, I was watching bea's um she did a keynote uh, uh, um, at the ethereal summit in 2018 and even the, you know even before then the ideas of the invisible economy have always been part of our of our values but uh, we actually did a bunch of research about intrinsic motivations, as you know, like I explained at the beginning, data is based that the only thing that motivates you to be in data is your own desire to make art or to commune with other people or to express yourself. So there's none, no, uh, it's not product. There's no salary. There's no, there's no price. There's no, there's no like rank or anything like that and based on on this research about behavioral economics that says that people actually are far more not only not only productive but creative and 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 you know uh, uh i don't know satisfied when they work out of intrinsic motivations we basically created an economy an economic system that is based on that as opposed to market forces and it is we are starting to put it to put it into place we have been working on i mean we we wrote a paper called the invisible economy in 2019 and we are you know moving in that direction uh now we have a much bigger community where we're not you know we're kind of like um we're not like a corp corporate company anymore we're really a community of people uh who contribute and participate out of their out of their uh, intrinsic motivations but we are creating a, um, a system where uh, the uh, value that we create in general as a community is going to be given back to the community uh, and not to like individual uh, players it's uh, so for instance uh, after the ape storm we decided that the royalties or whatever value whatever comes in for for anything that comes in from the sale of any of Dada's collections uh, goes to the community it doesn't go to and and but it's it's not simple there we we have a very like very well thought out like it's not distribution but it's like the the metrics of what people contribute but it's not 
it's not a tit for tat, you know, it's not like, oh, I made a drawing so I get this. It's the value of the contribution over time, the value to the community over time. And it doesn't only uh, involve artists, but it involves also the developers, the founders, like amazing people who have given us their knowledge and expertise. People like you who, who are, you know, are part of our community and very supportive. So it's like a, an ecosystem, really. And of course, very different from what every everyone else is doing. Uh, we we feel that uh, it could probably be uh, used by other, uh, you know, not only for art but for other things. Uh, we're working hard on on you know kind of like making it happen. So we're building. We're gonna have a a DAO. We call it. Uh, but it's still separated, you know, the DAO, the DAO is going to uh, govern like the decisions that have to do with the creation of value and the marketplace and the invisible economy will continue working without those things. It's, uh, it's <laughs> rather interesting. How, how, does it, how does it feel to be so cool? <laughs> how does it feel to be so like out My on God. the cutting edge, you know, it must be like simultaneous, uh, it, like the edge of a roller coaster. You know, I have to give credit. I mean, I think it's like, I have to give credit to Bea because I think she really is, I don't say this lightly about anyone. I don't, you know, but I think she really is a visionary, but totally. but it does feel really cool. I Completely unexpected to me. I remember I was invited to speak at MIT and I'm mm. like, I'm the worst person at math. I'm the worst, you know, and here I am. <laughs> I mean, like the, the marvels never cease, you know, so wonders never cease. So it, I mean, it, I'm very proud. It, it, it's on the one hand, I tend to joke that like why we are always so uh, so uh, ahead of the times that it, like my mind is exploding and everybody else's mind is exploding. But at the same time, um, it's kind of the momentum, like once I think that to be ahead of the times, you have to be ahead of the times way from way back, you know, you know, it, that you have that kernel that is always looking for, for, um, for better solutions or for, you know. Yeah. So, so now let's, uh, you know, best for last, tell us please about, uh, what you've been working on the return to words and your NFT novella. Oh yeah. Well, I, you know, um, I've always been a writer and I wrote a novel a few years back and for some miracle of life, which was very like some publishing house found me and they loved, like, they loved something that I had written and I sent them the novel and which is in Spanish and they decided to publish it. And so it's a normal publishing, you know, uh, although my, my publisher is also one of those like kind of like natural Dada people who even though he he's like you, you're a Dada person, you know, your mind is a Dada mind and his mind is a Dada mind too. And and so um, he said, well, I want to publish you. We published the book in, in paper. And then uh, Bea says, well, why don't you make it into an NFT? And I think that's a wonderful, wonderful idea. Uh, I don't know if my publisher is going to go into a what, but of course, him being so cool, Ismael from Ferragosto. The minute I said, let's do it into an NFT, let's let's create as, as an NFT, he said, absolutely. You know, he didn't even blink. And um, it's coming out soon. It's going to 
come out in the platform, which is Sparrow's. Sparrow is uh, uh, leading this amazing new new place, which uh, is is both kind of like an NFT marketplace, but it's also a, like a publishing NFT thing where where context is given to to you know. We realized that when we were creating all this stuff, what we needed to prove was that these things could be you know transacted. So everything was a marketplace. And these marketplaces, they don't really have room for the process of the artist or who is the artist or what. There's zero context, right? You just boom, it's like, you know, you're 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 just which a part of it is kind of fun, but then there's a lot of context that that is lacking. So uh the the book is coming out in the platform, but we're really proud that, that we didn't want to do what we learned, what like researching if had there been books before as NFTs, there have been like PDFs that have a token attached or they have been like stuff like that, like some sort of, and we really wanted to create a, a real book object, you know, uh, but also, but that is still a book. So it has like this really cool animated cover by Mojarra, who is my homie from wonderful. Mexico. Yeah, wonderful artist. The greatest. Yeah. And uh it has like the it's we wanted to have like an experience that starts more like as an NFT and then so more like being a book. So the animated cover takes you to this really cool uh, kind of interactive index with some animated art also by Mox and then you go into the book and and you read it digitally even like we we had like the like this kind of like shadow, like the shadow that pages make when when you're like flipping mm. them, yeah. and um, and so it's a, a really beautiful beautiful object. And but what what is interesting about this, uh, besides the fact that I'm very happy and proud that I think it's going to be the first NFT Mexican, uh, the first book Mexican book as an NFT, is that. Through this, you know, my relationship with my publisher was like very standard when we were doing the paper. I got a five page contract that told me that they were going to do like an Excel, like a spreadsheet, and then I'm going to get my money God knows when. And and then, of course, the beauty of this thing is that in the smart contracts, we'll get everything. He'll get his thing. I'll get my thing. Mojarra will get his thing, which I think is still the same kind of revolution as it was for art. It should be for authors and for readers. Uh, I think it can can even make books and literature kind of hot again. But what I I realized is that because the NFT by its own nature, not the NFT in itself, but because of the nature of this peer to peer, our relationship became far more collaborative. Although it mm. was always very nice and and now we're actually. Uh, kind of partnering, we're partnering to bring more uh, literary NFTs uh, married to art. So, like, I am curating the art for, 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 I mean, and we're both kind of like, you know, maybe curating the, the literature. And so we're going to be bringing out more, like, and, and the beautiful thing is it could be one short story. It could be one poem. It doesn't have to be you know, all the same kind of like rigid strictures that we see in the art world. Well, the publishing world is the same or even worse. And the NFT, you know, having books as collectible objects where you can interact with audio or with other kinds of or art or other formats, the digital, you know, innovation 
I think is 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 what should happen, you know. And I so, think you, I think you make a super super point because once the money is on chain and automated, right? It gives the people more freedom to just like know the bounds of that instead of like worrying perhaps what somebody else is doing about the money or dividing it up, right? When that concern is just automated, people instantly, I think, become more collaborative and creative. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And it's not only that. Yeah, it's more also there's something that opens your mind. You go because digital, the digital life allows you it allows you to bring animation. It allows you to bring music if you want or whatever right. you want. You know, it, it's not, I mean, not that there are there are books that have illustrations, certainly. But it's it, like I was joking that my, my contract for the paper book is like 17th century with like, you know, signatures and it takes forever, right. <laughs> you know. And this is, uh, for instance, we were talking, the you know, we're going to come out with a second beautiful it's it's a short story by by uh, a writer called Lara Ehrlich and uh, we talked to the the publishing house that has the rights for that story and it's a tiny small publishing house I think they're based on Berkeley California and they do beautiful beautiful work but they're struggling right because they are independent and as you know the publishing world is almost collapsed and and so they have like a, in their page they have a, like donations and we're like no 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 i'm i'm like art is not a charity case literature should not be a charity case this stuff has value and i think just as in art in terms of giving voice to uh, like also unexplored voices from writers that in the regular publishing world would like artists would not make it to an editor or to an agent this is this is you know yeah same kind of revolution tell everybody anything you must share in this final moment and perhaps where they can find you and then i'll send us home yes well you can find me on twitter i'm grand enchilada one word the platform is actually launching with our book which i'm very proud of that's how they're going to make a splash. And come and draw on Dada and take a look at the creeps and weirdos and be kind. And have fun. And have fun, more importantly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so e much. E voila. Thank you so much. It's been lovely. Colborn Bell, NFT Sundays, uh, Judy Mam of Dada.art. Thank you, Deminti, Museum of Crypto. Breaking news. <laughs>